It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting has to spend their time. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Mita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. What is up, SoundCloud, iTunes? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe Donald John Mita follows on Twitter at Love Podcast. Football season is around the corner. Woo. We'll get there in a minute. Johnny Mita, how are you, my friend? You know, here we go again, Joe. Uh, for those of the listeners that don't know and will, would never know unless I say something here, is that we recorded this same exact podcast a day ago, but it didn't take. So Let's go back to where you asked me how I'm doing. How am I doing? I'm pretty exhausted. Had a great birthday weekend. Had a great birthday weekend. Uh, My friends and family threw me a great party on Friday night, and then I proceeded to hit Atlantic City for the Jim Gaffigan comedy show at the Borgese. That was incredible. And then I finished off Sunday with a bar crowd through Avalon and Stowe Harbor. So all in all, great weekend. Unbelievable very thankful all my friends and family it was just absolutely tremendous so there we go yeah well it, it's officially the lost episode of the brotherly love podcast like you said uh we tried this yesterday and i got home to put the bells and whistles on it and and publish it so to speak and the file was corrupt and i kind of jinxed us to be honest uh I think, and uh, so let's let's hope that take two, uh, maybe not only a better edition, since we know what the hell we're going to talk about, but uh, but also hopefully uh, this one gets produced out there for the peeps. So, uh, yes, my friend, happy birthday to you. Certainly glad that uh, you made it another year. I'll tell you what, YouTube's got some brutal, brutal stuff. I don't even know who this is. It's some kid's birthday song I found. There are 271 million clicks on that video right there. That is... I mean, if that doesn't sum up YouTube for you, I don't know what does, you know? Wow. Unbelievable. All right, Jeff. Thanks for uh, playing that. You got it, man. Well, happy birthday. Happy 40th. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. You're a great man, great friend, and uh, certainly happy that uh, you had a great weekend. So, all right, let's dive into it. We're going to hit on the Phillies quickly. We're going to talk about Andrew Luck's retirement, and we're going to dive deeply into the Philadelphia Eagles because uh, opening week in the NFL season is now less than a week away. Uh, so, again, follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast, the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, episode 145, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, let's start with the Philadelphia Phillies. John Mita, uh, very maddening and inconsistent through much of the year. They're still somehow in a wild card race, two games back of the Cubs. They just took two of three from the Pirates, but that's on the heels of, you know, totally crapping the bet against the Marlins, who they can't seem to beat for some reason. Seven and nine, the Phillies record now against the lowly fish for whatever reason this year. Um, but we were going to spend, uh, we did spend a little bit of time yesterday on take one, if you will, uh, talking about Sean Rodriguez and the comments he made about Phillies fans. Now, since then, 
And now, you know, into today, he's walked those back a bit. He's apologized for his comments, calling fans entitled. That was the the big word he used, entitled. Uh, He tried to walk those comments back a bit because the booing did not stop in last night's game against the Pirates. Phillies have a huge series looming against the Mets, including a, a date on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN coming up this weekend. But Sean Rodriguez, a guy that's not even hitting his weight, and I mean that literally, chirped the Philadelphia fan base. You and I both know that's a bad move uh, unless you're going to end up winning a World Series title and, uh, you know, have MVP-type seasons like a guy like Jimmy Rollins did when he called the fans, uh, you know, basically front runners a decade ago. If you're not going to back it up, if you're not going to be one of those heart and soul guys, you better keep your mouth shut about the fan base in the city. It's been proven year over year. You just don't poke the bear. Philly fans are passionate. They do things a certain way. If you don't like it, shut your mouth. Sean Rodriguez stinks. He's only on this team, in my opinion, because Gabe Kapler and him are buddies because they played together. He hasn't brought anything to the table. He hits a walk-off the other night that clears the fences in left field by about the you know a foot. And after the game, they ask him about you know sort of the hard time he's gotten this year and was it redeeming or whatever, and he goes off on the fan base, calls them entitled. Well, damn right we're entitled. We're entitled to do whatever we want at the stadium because we paid for our ticket. If I buy a ticket, I'm entitled to boo. I'm entitled to call you a piece of garbage if I want. Now, could I get escorted out or ejected for comments across the line? Certainly. Am I condoning uh, comments across the line? No. But as a paying fan, technically, you could say whatever the hell you want. If you break the law out on the street, you get punished. You break the law in the stadium, break the rules, you're going to get thrown out most likely. So if you're going to buy your ticket, you have the right to do whatever you want. Not show up, show up and cheer, show up and boo. And the fact that Sean Rodriguez is pointing out the six or seven fans behind home plate that constantly pick him up with, come on, Sean, you can do it. We have confidence in you. I want to meet those losers because I don't have confidence in Sean Rodriguez, and I certainly wouldn't sit down behind home plate and clap my hands when he goes 0 for 3 with a couple of strikeouts or a pinch hit strikeout, which we've seen countless times this year, and, and pump this guy's tires. Like, he needs to know that ain't acceptable. If you're not going to bring it, and you're certainly not one of ours, a first-year guy, the last thing we're going to do is support you through thick or thin. That's just not the way it's going to work. The city's too honest, too emotional, hard-on-the-sleeve type passion from Philly fans. He should have known it. He didn't. And I love the fact that now, since the comments, apology or not today, this guy is getting booed mightily. He struck out last night in a pinch hit appearance. Shocker. And he got cheered for the strikeout because the Phillies are routing the Pirates. I love it. Philly fans, keep it up. This guy's a bum. I can't wait till he's gone. Your thoughts? I don't know what to say. You pretty much covered everything that we did. I mean, besides me making a uh, call to the FBI so they could um, maybe search to see if he's on the most wanted list. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a joke that this guy has the audacity. He feels like he could be the voice and come out and say these things and personally attack the fans. Like, here's the deal. I get it. You get booed. Nobody wants to get booed. We all know you're trying to win a baseball game. We all get it, Sean. We get it. The problem that we have is we don't want to hear from somebody that's batting a fat one for 20 in his last 20 plate appearances. Now, granted, I get it. He had the walk-off home run the other night. But instead of just saying, yeah, it felt good. You know, I was kind of struggling lately. I was so glad that I could help my teammates out and have this game-winning home run. That's what he should have said. Yep. You know, never once does this guy take ownership because he's been an absolute train wreck and he struggled the entire season. And what does it tell you? The fact that he played with Gabe, okay? We all know that I'm not the hugest Gabe supporter right now. 
So basically, um, you know, with with his whole comments, his whole mantra of the fans, the entitlement, I think he kind of used that, and I, I don't think he used that in the proper context, so to speak. I can't wait for this loser to go elsewhere. I love that Philly fans say, and, and, and again, we, we've talked about it, Joe, right? How Jekyll and Hyde is this team, right? The other day, they can't buy a run. They lose like four to three. Last night, they come off, and everyone in their lineup has a hidden in an RBI. It's just so Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. And I kind of touched on it yesterday, like just an organizational failure when it comes to coming up with the pitching staff for the, for this team. And I kind of posed a question to you, Joe, and I do remember it from yesterday again. And what would you rather have happen? Do you want the Philadelphia Phillies to make the playoffs, or do you want them to miss the playoffs so therefore we can move forward and hopefully Mr. Kapler is shown the door? Well, I would prefer the latter because I don't think this team has a chance to win the World Series. I don't think that's an overstatement, understatement. I mean, that's that's pretty much, you know, that is what it is right now. It's not rocket science. I mean, You've got a guy managing this team to basically the same type of trajectory they were last year. There were higher expectations this year. And a one-game playoff is basically what they're destined for right now if they're even fortunate to get there. You hope Nola can pitch it. If he does, now maybe you win and you go to the NLDS. And then what happens in game one? You get your doors blown off you the following day because you're throwing out Drew Smiley and Vargas and Velasquez. And who knows if Eflin can even give you a start. I mean... This team has just been, uh, you know, very inconsistent, very disappointing. The pitching staff, outside of a few spurts, has been horrendous for most of the year, and the bats haven't been good enough to bail them out at times. Uh, Joe Madden is a free agent to be, the Cubs skipper. You know, Joe Girardi's out there. He's working in media, but, you know, as I heard the other day from somebody on national radio, he's, he, you know, he he's a gamer. You know, he doesn't want to be uh, on TV as an analyst. He wants to be in the dugout. So, I think there's some options for the Phils. Should Madden not get a new deal from the Cubs, he'd be my first phone call. And obviously, Kapler, you know, has had probably what most would consider uh, not good enough of a year last year with the fade they had late and not good enough of a year so far this year. Now they get hot, they get in, they make a run. Things can change. I just don't see that happening right now uh, as far as the Phillies are concerned. So that's been certainly a disappointment. And, you know, to have a guy like Rodriguez come out and, and spout off at the fans after a win when this team's not in a playoff spot, this team is underachieved, and he, quite frankly, hasn't held up his end of the bargain, role player or not, you know, for him to open his mouth is just dumb, plain dumb. I mean, the Philly fan, and I heard I heard him talking about it on the broadcast the other day, and Kruk was talking about it. You know, Philly fans, or what, it might have been Larry Anderson on the radio side, actually, talking about Mike Schmidt. Mike Schmidt was booed a lot, a large portion of his entire Phillies career, and he's a Hall of Famer. So we've booed way better, Sean Rodriguez. Whether that was right or wrong, that's indifferent at this point. The point is, until you pull your weight, until you earn some respect in the city, that's not how we roll. So just deal with it. So real quick about Gabe Kapler. He benches when well, Cesar Hernandez makes a blunder, you know, non-hustling play, which has kind of been an ongoing theme yes. throughout the season. Not just one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not just one guy. So, you know, then he benches him. Then apparently the communication got misconstrued. Caesar said that he just had the day off, and then he was later talked to, and then he got benched. And it's just stuff like that that is going on all year. I just think the culture in the clubhouse, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, and I don't think, I'm not so sure these guys want to play for him. And, and his whole approach with analytics, he's just filling everyone's mind up with all this, when essentially you're playing 
a, a game that's – I don't want to say it's a simple because the game is not simple. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a like, hard game, but the, the concept is bat a, on the ball, and when you're pitching, throw strikes. Right. You, you know? run. You know what I mean? It's not like – I would say there's more or less – I would say there's less strategy involved maybe than any other – professional sports. I don't know if I can really make that statement. But no, I think you can. I'm going to say it. I, I mean, just like if you look at football, there's so many nuances between the defenses and reading defenses and positioning on the field and situations. I, I don't know. I just think it's like it's a little more simplistic. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, as a, as a manager of a team slash coach, whatever you want to call them, I, I think it's a little less. You don't have to be as strategic. I don't know. What but again, you? I'm just—I want them to be shown the door. That's what I'm about. And, and people in the and people in the front office. So John Middleton, if you are tuning in to the Brother Love podcast, I know you tune in the other radio stations. <laughs> maybe we can throw it on your radar. Clintac, McPhail, and the Gabester. If they could hit the roadster, I'll be happy to drive them to the airport. I love it. You are a good driver too, my friend. Uh, yesterday as well on the, on the lost episode, I brought up Reese Hoskins and his his struggles that have gone on far too long. The fact this guy's hitting two thirty, the fact that Kapler keeps putting him in the leadoff spot, which is just so dumb and makes zero sense, especially when a guy is struggling for crying out loud and he's not a leadoff hitter, he's a power hitter. Yet you keep putting him in the one hole. It's just dumb. Beating your head against the wall, dumb. And Hoskins last night goes off and has a two-hit game for the first time in a calendar month. I mean, that's crazy. You know, he was back in the four-hole last night. Well, what do you know? I've been begging for the manager to give him a day off. It hasn't happened. He took a day off a couple weeks ago, but he had been hit by a pitch the game before. I also surmised the possibility of sending him to AAA for crying out loud just to get his confidence back. You know, I didn't know if anybody else had even mentioned that. I don't even know if that's totally taboo. But seriously, at some point, you got to do something to get this guy out of his funk. Last night, a multi-hit game. Maybe he's back on the right track. All right, let's jump to uh, the the NFL and the surprise retirement of Andrew Luck and what you made of his decision to leave the Colts at the age of 29 after having several injury-plague injury seasons and all this rehab. And he said basically the joy of the game was sapped from him. The Colts organization, their fan base stunned. The world of the uh, of football, the NFL, stunned as Andrew Luck, the former first overall pick, says bye bye. It was pretty crazy news. Like I, you know, I got like a text message, and then I'm like, "What do you mean he he retired?" Like it was, you know, it was kind of today. I was actually in Atlantic City, you know, getting ready to to head into the comedy show, and it came across my phone, and I was just like, you know, in utter disbelief. I mean, I can't say that it like totally called me. Here's a guy that has battled injuries through the last couple of years. I mean, you look at some of the injuries that this guy's had, like a lacerated spleen, a torn labrum, this and that, and banged up knee. And it's just the guy has been brutalized. And he can thank that to the former, you know, Eagle front office guy named Ryan Grigson, who became their general manager, and he never put an offensive line in front of him. Now, the way this all transpired, Adam Schefter, who's a notable, you know, ESPN, you know, pretty much NFL newsbreaker, him and Chris Mortensen, and he broke the news. I think the crazy part is how everything transpired. So literally they're playing a preseason football game, and the news is getting leaked while the game is taking place. 
And it seems like some of his teammates didn't know that he was also retiring, which if that's the way it went down, that was, it kind of stinks that the reporter, that Adam Schefter, you know, he could have waited. I know he was probably the first one in the story. If he might have waited to right after the game, again, you know, who am I to say? I've never been a journalist. You know, when is the proper time to do something like that? I, I don't know if the Colts were already informed of his decision to retire, but he, here's what I can say. And, and for everyone out there listening, my, our few listeners, or the, the popular listeners, are the ones that follow us. But here's what it's like. If you go to a job and you hate it every single day and you are mostly physically drained, you're like, you know what? I used to like my job. I get paid pretty, pretty well to do my job. Okay, I'm going to keep on going. If the joy, if you feel like you don't even want to show up for work, you hate it so much, you don't like your boss, you don't really get along with your, you know, your coworkers, your teammates. You're like, I just, and I think he just got to a point in his career in life and said, listen, I've made enough money. I've had a really decent career. I'm just not having fun anymore, and I just hate it. You know, there's a lot of times where I look at my brother, for example. Like, my brother used to love playing the sport of basketball, and then we had this head coach. You will never be named because I couldn't stand him. They just took the fun out of it. He wanted to quit. He just said, you know what? I don't even like this game anymore. I don't like playing it. The joy is gone for me, so I'm out. So I, I understand his viewpoint. I think the timing is the biggest issue with the whole process. Like if the Colts didn't know, apparently there were reports out that he, this is kind of a decision that he was contemplating in March, which, okay, if, they, the, if the NFL drafts in April, maybe they should have been clued in. Hey, I know I had a good comeback season, but I'm still dealing with a whole lot of pain, and there's certainly a distinct possibility that I could be hanging him up soon. So, I don't know. I, I can't fault the guy. I know that why the fans and organizationally they're, you know, kind of. But I give I do give props to the Colts organization for kind of paying the man for, you know, the remainder of his contract. Which in the NFL they don't really do that. Yep. It's non Most of it's non guaranteed money. So, you know, I tip my hat to them. To here's a guy that sacrificed for our tra- franchise. He got the crap beat out of him because we didn't put no line. So we might as well just let him walk with his money. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, takes a year, maybe two off, thinks about possibly returning. Uh, you're right on the timing. I think that's spot on. It caught everybody so off guard that you're going to get that sort of, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum as far as reaction goes. You're going to get the angry fans. You're going to get the fans that understand. A lot of players, uh, current and former players, either teammates of his or otherwise, are coming to his defense because they've been in those shoes. They know what it's like to wake up on a Monday after an NFL Sunday and I'm not just talking about the fans that have a hangover. I'm talking about the guys that get their brains beat in, they can't get out of bed, that are so bruised, they need the ice baths and those sorts of things. And and rehab can be a, a mentally draining process. Rehab from an injury, a mentally draining process, maybe more than anything. And so for Andrew Luck to go out somewhat on his own terms in that regard, I'm sure is a big weight off his shoulders. We'll see how it plays out long term if he ever does decide to return to the National Football League. All right, John Mina, that will make us uh, seamlessly transition into the birds. Week one is upon us. The final games of the preseason are being played. You got Eagles-Redskins week one. I want to ask you about a couple of players on the offensive side of the football here in a minute, get your take on them. But your prediction, your outlook for the Philadelphia Eagles season is what? 
I've been excited like this in a long time since maybe like 2004 when we got T.O. and I felt like everything was in place for the Eagles to make that 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 unbelievable Super Bowl run that we're thinking of. Um, this year, you look at what they've done in the offseason between the draft and, and picking up some people in the offseason and also the pieces that they had in place. Those are the guys that are coming back from injury. And I feel like this team is destined to make a huge run. So overall prediction, I really think this team's going to win 13 games. I know I sound like a homer. I know I sound kind of crazy. But I really think this team, offensively, I think they're going to be like the greatest show on turf. I think they're going to average 35 points a game. They have so much depth at every position. And when I'm speaking depth, I'm talking about multiple facets of the team as far as position goes. They are deep at wide receiver. Their offensive line is back intact, and they also have very viable backups, which I don't know if I can be able to say that in a very long time. The quarterback situation, it's all about Carson. You know, how healthy. If he stays healthy the entire season, we are going to be tremendous. The tight end, Ertz and Goddard, is there maybe a better combination in the NFL? You know, one-two tight end. And reminds me of the days when the Patriots, when they had Gronkowski and, you know, rest in peace, Aaron Hernandez. There's just so many things there. And I think the defense, I think the defense is going to be a whole lot better this year because, again, we're a lot healthier. Some some young guys got some, some really nice playing time last year. Avante Maddox, Rasul got some more snaps. Cindy Jones kind of got his feet a little wet. I mean, he's a big question mark, but still second-round traffic. We got Rodney McLeod coming back. That was a big loss. He went out in week three last year to go with Malcolm Jenkins. We got some other safeties that I like, free agents that they signed. So I, I, I think they're loaded. I think there's that one piece out there that's kind of been lurking. You know, the Davion Clowning trade talk. Apparently, Philadelphia is an optimal destination for this guy. What do you give up to get him? But if you throw him on that defensive line with the likes of Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Tim Jernigan, I mean, and, and some of the young guys, DeAndre Hall, that's kind of been a nice story in the preseason, they are absolutely loaded. So. I'm looking forward to a great season. I do look at, and when I say three losses, I feel like they're going to lose the Giants game at the at the end of the season. And I think basically, and I think the two other games, I feel like they're going to lose a road game. Let that be. It could be like the, um, just looking at their schedule, it could be like Green Bay, Atlanta, or Minnesota. I think they might lose one of those three road games. And then maybe they lose like at Dallas. Or perhaps it's like the split when they got to play Seattle and the Patriots at home. Do they perhaps drop one of those games? But I, I really see 13 and three. I think worst case scenario, as long as everyone stays healthy, they win at least 11 games. The overrun under right now coming from Vegas started off months ago at like nine and a half, and it's now bumped up to 10. So even Vegas is on their boat considering the strength of schedule they have. So, I'm jacked up. I can't wait. Thank God the preseason is ending tonight. <laughs> we are going, I mean, mercy, have mercy. And then I can't wait because, like, you know, bottom line is we're going to be able to, because nobody, 
essentially nobody's going to play tonight. So we're going to say we got through the preseason without any catastrophic injuries and kind of dug hinted that Nigel Branham, Fletcher Cox, you know, they sat Lane Johnson out. They sat Dallas Goddard out, you know, from the beginning of the preseason after like the first game. And, and to Sean Jackson, his little minor, like, you know, broken finger. But I mean, all in all, I think they're being getting ready to go. And, you know, don't count Howie out to make some crazy trade. And we can all remember a couple of years ago when we had Sammy Sleeves, he was going to start for us. And then all of a sudden, he pulls the trigger and swindles Minnesota out of a first-round draft pick, which led to the rights of Derek Barnett, which we all know what happened then. He caused, you know, he scooped up the big fumble in the Super Bowl after Brandon Graham sacked him. So I'm jacked up. I don't know what you think. I know there are some holes. Listen, linebacker, if, if we want to look at deficiencies on this football team, sometimes the kicker, Jake Elliott, makes me a little nervous because he can't hit a field goal from 45 yards and under. Everything's between 45 and 60, he's good as gold, which is kind of weird, but that makes me a little nervous. I think in the return game, we'll be fine. And then maybe the linebackers on defense, depth-wise, I think that might be the thinnest position that we have. Well, I couldn't agree more. We don't play, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but we don't we don't play a lot of linebackers anyway. So I mean, essentially, we play like two linebackers all the time. We're never really 4-3 base personnel. We're kind of like in a nickel, and then if we were in the dime package, they kind of, instead of dragging, what they'll do is they'll drag a linebacker off the field and put, like, a safety in there. Yeah, Malcolm you know, Jenkins gets remember. a lot of reps up kind of closer to line of scrimmage. Um, exactly. I'm with you. Listen, I, I think this team is offensively should be fo- top five in the league. I don't think there's a question about that. Spread the ball around. Wentz plays within himself. Doesn't try to do too much. Throw it away when he has to. Run for a first down occasionally. Keep the defense honest. I mean, this is stuff I've always been talking about, but spread the ball around, use the weapons, get everybody involved. I think they route the Redskins in week one. I think offensively, they're going to be very dynamic. Defensively, when you're playing with the lead, it allows you to not be as maybe stingy as you normally would want to be. You know, the Jim Johnson 17 points are under. This team might not need that mantra very much if the offense does what we expect it to do. I think they're going to win 11 games. I think they, you know, probably go 4-2 and in the division. Maybe two other NFC losses, drop a game to the AFC, there's your five losses. But I think they get off to a good start. I think they come out hot. I think they bury the Redskins in week one. I think they go down to Atlanta, a team they've had good success against, and they're certainly in that football game. Then they have a few winnable games. The tough one, though, for me early is that week four at Green Bay, that short week Thursday night football in the road. That's going to be a tough one. Road teams never usually fare all that well. Uh, on the road on Thursday night. So that's a tough one. And we'll just see how things shake out. You know, who knows? Maybe by November, the Seahawks and the Patriots have had just grease fires of a season. Maybe, you know, maybe the Giants surprise some people late in the year because they've got that young quarterback started. You just never know how it's going to shake out. But they have some tough road games they'll have to get through. But one thing that can help you with that is a running game. And they have depth at running back that sort of feels like the 2017 edition, the Super Bowl team with Ajayi and Blunt and Clement coming into his own. And I just think with Sanders and Howard and Sproles and Clement, they can do so many things. They can throw so many options at you. You mentioned the two tight ends, the speed at wide receiver. This team is loaded offensively, and I think that will help bail out a defense that might early in the year 
sort of look for its identity a little bit. But Rodney McLeod coming back, as you touched on, is massive. His communication back there, his presence back there, that was a big loss. And they did get valuable reps for some of the young secondary members a year ago that only helped going into this year. So I think 11 wins for sure. I think this is a playoff team. This is a Super Bowl contender, as very well damn they should be. And really, honestly, anything other than a Super Bowl championship this year is going to be a letdown and continue to turn up the heat and crank up the pressure meter on a guy like Wentz. Because as much as he was around the year they won it, and the reason they got in as a top seed, he hasn't gotten it done yet. And now that they've won a Super Bowl as a franchise, the expectation is never just going to be get to a championship game, win the division. It's going to be win it all. And, and that's a great standard to have. And I think this team very much should be in the mix for Super Bowl come February as they're just so talented and so deep that they could probably withstand an injury or two outside of the quarterback position. Um, all right, I want to ask you about a couple players, John Mita, on offense. I want to ask you about Miles Sanders and sort of the running back rotation and what you see from that group, but specifically Sanders. Here's what I like about him. I like him the fact that he, you know, he kind of was like a understudy, Saquon Barkley, a big Penn State guy. He's got a lot of wiggle. And when you hear a lot of the other players talk about him, like some defensive linemen, they kind of are like, man, this kid's good. Like, and if you can get that for guys that have played at that level for so many years, you're talking about veterans that know what a good player looks like. You know, that gives me a great deal of confidence. What I've seen on tape, he, he can do everything. Again, when you look in and analyze the running back position itself in the NFL, the, the hardest thing for these guys to pick up is picking up the blitz, okay? That is going to determine how much time how much time this, this kid gets on the field. He's got Jordan Howard that he can learn from, so I, I, I like to pick up. If you look at him when I've just, you know, I haven't watched a ton of preseason, but I've seen him in action. You know, he's always moving forward. He doesn't take many, you know, he, he kind of opens. He's what the hole is, and he takes what he can. And he doesn't go backwards and, and gives up big plays by losing. So I like what I see from him there. Who was the other one you said? I want to ask you also your take on Dallas Goddard and the year you expect from him. Yeah, I, I, I really think, think he can be a breakout type player. I know there's a lot of hype. I know it's not necessarily a big secret uh, of his ability. Yeah. It's going to be tricky yeah. with Ertz getting a lot of the reps and a lot of the targets, but I think Goddard could have a monster year. You know, I think if I was Doug Peterson, when you have two gifted tight ends, and I referred to it about you know three and a half minutes ago, I would take all the footage from when the Patriots ran their two ten tight end sets with Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, and I'd try to get them both involved because if they try to focus on Earth, then Goddard's going to kill him. I think we saw flashes that. Yep. Like, look at the game he had against at Dallas. You know, gets his helmet knocked off. He's running 70 yards, you know, 60 yards downfield for a touchdown, right? But then I think that play got called back for some BS reason. Yep. I don't know what it was, but I think. But I think they gave again, him offensive think, pass interference, and it was a phantom call. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what it was. You're right. Um, so I think he's going to be tremendous. He could be the breakout star yep. on offense. Yep. I think he is. You know what I like about him? He's got fantastic hands. He seems to be a great route runner. But I think the separation between him and Ertz is the fact that this guy can break tackles. Yep. As much as we love Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, you know, he doesn't give you that yak yard. He doesn't get those extra, you know, when initial contact hits Ertz, he's pretty much going to the ground. When it hits a guy like, Goddard, 
he's able to shed a couple people. Yeah, and you know and what I love about that? Down. I love a physical offense because it makes a defense not want to go yeah. out and line up. Yeah. You know, and when you when you're pounding the ball, when you have a physical tight end, when you have a receiver that'll smash it, you know, stiff arm you in the face. Defenses don't like that. Defensive players, a lot of times, especially in the secondary, are soft. Like your boy Sidney Jones on the Eagles side of things. Watch him fold like a <laughs> like a cheap tent this year. All right, because he is my player. That is that is on. He is on my. He is on my He's radar. He will radar. be drawing okay. my ire in week one. I guarantee it. Uh, but I, a, a physical offense makes the defense not want to keep lining up for the next snap. And I love that about Goddard's approach. Go yeah, ahead, defend your boy. Well. Defend your boy, Sidney Jones, please. The floor's yours. Well, here, here, here's the floor. Um, you know, first year, coming back, you know, rehabbing injury, getting used to the game. Second year, sprinkled in some time. I think we're going to find out. I think this is going to be the year. So, I think it's make or break. So, if he can't come out and, and be that guy that they fought, like coming out, he was one of the best corners in the draft. Now, I happen to like his counterpart, the country, I know. by the Green yep. Bay Packers, Kevin King, but I, I, we will see. So you can rip him, but um, hey, maybe we're positive about this, and maybe comes out and gets seven picks this year. All right. I'll so. hold you to it. I'll hold you to it. By the way, uh, uh, I, don't know about, the, the, I don't know if we're going to make a bet on that. Well, but. we should. <laughs> we should. Bryce Harper home run bet. Let's update the faithful. I believe the over-under okay. was 32, so he needs 33 oh, well. or more for your case of Stella. And yeah. uh, he is inching close, inching okay. closer. Where are we at? Let's see, 27, 28? Where are we at? Well, let's let's not just try and add n- numbers to this guy all over the place. He's a, oh, okay, he's a 28. He's a 28. So, ah! need, so basically, you need five September bombs from Harper. I will say this. I've said it before. He has grown on me because he's playing with his hair on fire. Some of it's for show. Some of it I could do without, but the guy plays hard. He's one guy we haven't had a question. His effort, whether it's shagging a fly ball, whether it's throwing a guy out, taking an extra base, sometimes stupidly, I will give give your boy Bryce Harper credit. He has embodied that Philly mantra that we love from our athletes. Now he's just got to do it for another dozen years. No big deal. I gotcha. Um, why don't we set the over under? Sydney June pick interceptions four. I'll take the over. You can take the under. Set it at five, and you got yourself a deal. Four and a half. Four and a half. Done. Done. Four and a half picks for Sydney Jones. I'll take the under. <laughs> All right. All right, brother. You got the birds at thirteen wins, a minimum of eleven. I got them eleven and five, winning the division. Go birds, pound yeah. the skin, seventy-three to seven. Week one route, book it. Yeah, all right. My prediction is uh, we'll get a little thirty-eight to six. They're definitely covering that nine and a half point spread. What was the? Uh, what was the? Was it when they beat Case Keenum when he was with the Vikings? Was that thirty-seven to seven? It was. It was something close. I think it something was thirty-eight like to seven. I think it was thirty-eight to seven. So let's. Let, why don't you go thirty-eight to seven as your prediction, just to. Uh, just to, so right, that Case Keenum's last two trips to the link end in 38-7 to seven drubbings. That, that would be perfect. All right, appreciate everybody tuning in. The Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes. Johnny made a good stuff, brother. You're the man. You got too, buddy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. All right, we'll never know about the lost episode. Hopefully, hopefully this one was better. Go Birds. Till next time, we'll see
for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.